Welcome in to another edition of Region Roundup. I'm James Boyd here with a special guest, I I, I can say, maybe. Um, a different person, not Mike Clark this time around. I'll talk to him later this week for another podcast, but we're doing a special state football podcast with my uh, sports editor, Aaron Ferguson. Aaron, how you doing? Good, James. Recovering from a long day yesterday, but a fun <laughs> day. How are you? I'm good. Uh, for those of you who don't know, me and Aaron um, basically lived at Lucas Oil Stadium yesterday. Um, of course, we tried to provide you as much content as we could, as much good coverage as we could of the Brickies. But um, there's a lot that went in behind the scenes of that, which is why both of us ended up leaving the stadium at about uh, midnight. And uh, I had to, like, walk to find my car. You know, and Aaron was very gracious and uh, offered me a ride to my car. I didn't need it, but, you know, we successfully made it home after a very, very long day in Indianapolis. Exciting day. And uh, just to start off, um, Aaron, obviously it was a, a historic year for the Brickies. And um, you had a lot planned for us to do as a staff. So can you just take us through the process of everything we tried to you know, provide and ultimately did provide? Yeah. You know, with everything that's happened with COVID-19, I figured there's a lot of people in the community that maybe aren't family members or maybe some older family members or immunocompromised people. Uh, that wouldn't be able to make the trip to Indianapolis. So one of the things I really wanted to do was kind of bring Lucas Oil Stadium to the readers uh, through NWI.com. We had videos from the game. We had post-game interviews. We had the trophy presentation. Uh, just a full spread and timely updates uh, on as the game was moving forward uh, from before the game started to, to through the post-game. And kind of the thinking behind that was, you know, a lot of people are staying home. The, the ticket sales were limited this year. But also just to provide a different way to cover cover football, because in the past, or over the weeks of the season, we've been running the live scoreboard on Fridays, which I have mostly been manning myself and uh, updating that as frequently as possible. But with one team left, I figured why not, why not spruce things up a little bit and and go in depth. So credit to Paul Warren for being our, our boots on the ground uh, and sending in those videos while I edit in the staff and, and play by play to, to keep those updates timely. And then kind of just, you know, a typical spread from there uh, with, with the, the standard gamer that you did a great job on. Todd Keegan did a great job on the Zex mode feature, but also just really how the team kind of battled to the end despite. Um, Despite the 49-7 blowout, um, you know, obviously it, it wasn't the result that they wanted, uh, uh, but, you know, the fact that they kept battling and, and really represented their community and were outspoken about what Hobart means to them was, was a great angle. And then I kind of got a tip early in the week about Josh Miracle, who graduated from Hobart in the mid-2000s and went on to play at Wabash College and ended up at Westfield, who beat Merrillville in semi-state. And uh, if Westfield was down at the state title and played right after Hobart, they were on the same sideline at Lucas Oil. And uh, it, it was cool talking to, to both Josh Miracle and, and Sean Zoleb about kind of how their two programs are, are related and how that, that helped Hobart finally get back to state again. And... Uh, so that's kind of how the coverage came about. We've, we've got more coming, depending on when you're listening to this. We have more coming in Sunday's paper. Um, 
and yeah, I'm just glad that we were able to uh, to cover the Brookies so well and so in depth, and and hopefully everybody enjoyed the coverage and, and bought papers and maybe have taken advantage of the special Black Friday subscription uh, that we're offering online. Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, any support is appreciated. Um, I tell people all the time, I have a really cool job, and uh, it's it's possible because of support from you all listening and reading, and obviously, uh, you know, supporting local journalism. Um, big picture wise for Hobart, um, this was their twelfth sectional, not sectional, uh, state championship appearance. Um, excuse me, and um, their first since nineteen ninety six. They were seeking their first championship. Since 1993, um, fell short. Um, it would have been their fifth uh, state championship. But overall, I think it was a heck of a year for the Brickies, ma- mainly because the stories I wrote leading up to it were pretty cool. Um, I had the story on Raleigh Johnson who told me in week six last year that they had the potential to play for a state championship, and I thought he was nuts. Um, and... I remember talking to him yesterday after the game, after they had lost, and he was telling me, like, man, you know, you want to do one more? And I'm like, yeah, man, let's do it. So uh, I'm I'm proud to say I'm probably the last person to interview Riley Johnson for his football career, that is. Um, And he's just – he's he's a guy that kind of embraces what Hobart is. I mean, his family's uh, all Hobart, um, parents – uh, his grandparent, uh, Jim Johnston Sr., is a legend at Hobart, um, even a legend at Purdue. I won a national championship at, at Purdue in pole vaulting. Um, so it was cool to kind of see him, you know, write his own little chapter, as he said, in the book um, by getting to a state championship. And he still wants to try to win a state title in the spring in pole vaulting like his grandpa did. Um, but overall, I think it was really cool. And then for me personally, just – Getting to know this team the last two years and knowing these players, interviewing them, you know, and just building that relationship with them, I think it helped because I was able to kind of get some of that more, you know, just stuff you really, you can't get from the box score. You know what I mean, Aaron? Like the, just like the family stuff that, that they always talk about in Hobart, but like, it's like, okay, now show me. So we got a lot of cool quotes from, from not only myself, but everyone on our staff about really how, you know, Hobart is football. Like, Hobart is synonymous with football. And for the first time in a long time, um, you know, they were back at state, and, and basically it reinvigorated the community, especially during a really tough year. So um, for them to make it to state is phenomenal in one, in one aspect. But to make it to state and having uh, only missed one game, which is not on your own part, it was due to uh, 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 Lowell's COVID-19 issues, but to make it through a pandemic – and miss no games uh, because your program uh, had a COVID-19 issue is, is remarkable, honestly. Um, we look at some of the other teams around the region. So um, big picture-wise, Aaron, did you think we'd ever get to this point? <laughs> I was shocked when we started. <laughs> uh, I'll, yeah. I'll be honest. Like, I kept watching COVID numbers throughout the summer, and I thought, okay, if we start, we're probably not going to finish. I was skeptical of IHSAA Commissioner Paul Nydig when I talked with him in June, and he said he thinks we can finish. I just, at that point, so early on in the pandemic still, I, I just wasn't sure. Um, and for me, it was about liability. Like, what happens to the schools if someone tests positive, or what happens if there's some, there's some 
you know, deeper, deeper issues as a result of contracting the coronavirus. And I didn't see how schools would allow it. But as the season went on and we learned more about the protocols in place and how, how teams were adjusting, I, I completely swung and very much believe that schools can do this. I'm surprised other states haven't figured that out, such as neighboring Illinois, mm-hmm. um, which obviously that's where I came from. So I'm, I'm in tune with that and talk with reporters from there and coaches all the time still about how Indiana's handled COVID-19 and progressed through it. And really, I mean, just a salute and a hat set to all the players and coaches, not just in football, but cross country and volleyball and soccer, who were able to to have their seasons and be able to compete and, and practice and enjoy some of the normalcies that, that we missed in the spring and over the summer. Uh, you know, obviously it's great for us because we get to write about you and we have fresh content every day. But really, I mean... I'm just glad that you guys were able to have a season. I'm glad for the seniors that were able to finish out their fall seasons. Uh, hopefully nobody lost theirs due to COVID. Um, I know a couple a couple teams did in the postseason, which, which sucks that you're not able to go out on your own terms. But, I mean, seriously, just a hat tip to everybody who was able to, to keep, keep everybody safe, take the serious precautions that they needed to and, and the protocols in place and uh, – I hope we can keep this going through through the winter season. Yeah, I mean it was it was quite a ride. Um, basically, every week checking to see um, who had started up, who had shut it down, um, who was you know there were some seasons at, at, at one point that were canceled, um, not postponed. They were canceled, like the school city of Hammond and Whiting, and then they were able to you know bring them back um, after, like you said, people kind of uh, had more research and realized that. Being outdoors really helps to kind of mitigate a lot of these factors when it comes to COVID, uh, which is already kind of causing a little bit of turmoil with indoor sports, which is for a different podcast on a different day. And we've talked about it on on other episodes with with my other partner, um, Mike Clark. But as for football, um, you know, the region got a team down to state for the second year in a row. Last year, um, Valpo was the um, class 5A, a state runner-up. And then this year, like we said, the, the Brickies were the class 4A runner-up. Um, and we had three teams get to semi-state. And I figured we'd get one out, maybe two. Um, but from what I saw, uh, you know, Westfield is very talented. Um, they actually, I mean, I know for those of you who are not in the region, probably don't care too much, but Center Grove won the uh, 6A championship, um, widely regarded as the best program in the state, top to bottom. They were picked to win it all, you know, before the season even started. And uh, Westfield hung with them. And, you know, so it, it goes to show the caliber of team that, that Maribel was up against. And then uh, Valpo actually lost to Zionsville, who's going to play in the 5A game uh, later this evening. Um, again, it's Saturday. Uh, recording this on Saturday, the 28th. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a crazy season. From being a reporter, and I, I'm guessing it was probably crazier for the actual athletes and coaches and, and ADs. I mean, I think now there's more of like a rhythm to it when I call coaches and ADs, and they're more comfortable saying like, hey, this was COVID, or hey, you know, we're quarantining, because it, it, it's become kind of like the norm. But early on, it was kind of like, you know, one, how do I get this information out there? How do we report it? 
where it's going to come from. Are there going to be official statements and things? So it's like, you know, it, it took some time for, I think, all of us to kind of adjust to it. But like you said, um, you know, you had 12 teams compete for a state championship this weekend. Um, Hope it was one of them. And, um, you know, that was that was incredible. And I think one of the coolest moments, Aaron, and I wrote about this in my story, which you all can check out on our website, nwi.com. Um, you know, when they raised the, the runner-up trophy, you know, having lost by 42 points, it was so loud on the Bricky side. So loud. Like, they were, I don't know if you noticed that, but, like, it was really loud. And, you know, according to Coach Craig Osika, nobody left. And I couldn't tell. I mean, they were not leaving. And, then, honestly, when I was walking in, there was, like, a, a line of Bricky fans, like, waiting because, you know, they had to uh, let the fans in at different times this year because of COVID. They didn't want Krause mixing or, or overlapping. But it was a pretty long line for the Bricks. And, um, you know, they did not. They stayed till the very end and cheered them on no matter what, which was, which was really cool to see because a lot, of fam- a lot of teams talk about family and being a family and being together and supporting each other. And it gets cliche after a while, and I'm sure you can relate, Aaron, and being in sports, uh, you know, for, for, for years and, and hearing the cliches that come along. But I think the Bricky community and Holbert in general really does embrace kind of like that blue-collar swagger of, you know, it's us against everybody else. Absolutely. And I think the cool thing – it was definitely loud during the trophy presentation. But when I first noticed it, uh, and James can attest to this, but it was pretty quiet in the press box. Like You couldn't hear much of what was happening in the stadium itself mm-hmm. uh, because of the glass windows. But I remember when Tyler Turley scored his touchdown, there was a big eruption. Yes. And it was, it was probably the loudest. It was definitely, at that point, the loudest they had been all day. And I thought that was really cool that you could hear it as loud as it was through the glass and and everything. So the Bricky Pride is definitely there. Uh, credit to everyone from Hobart and in the surrounding area that were able to make the trip down. Um, yeah, that was really cool. And seeing, seeing not just Coach Osika, but Bobby Babcock had a great uh, had a great comment on it. On we got the video on our website if you want to actually watch for yourself. He talks about what Hobart needs to him and, and why he pointed to Hobart on the on the trophy when they hoisted it. Um, just very cool. It's great to see that family atmosphere. Yeah, I mean, you got to remember, all these guys grew up together. And, and the thing about Holbert is, like, that their motto is, you know, you know, all, you know, all my life, you know, I want to be, I want to be a bricky, work, work, work. So this, this, this mantra of being a bricky doesn't start, you know, in high school like it does for some other uh, people where they're coming up through a system and they become like, you know, a pirate or something like that. Which I know they have middle schools and Maribel and things like that. But I think that, you know, Hobart is up there as far as um, region cities and towns and things like that, where it's, it's integrated into you to be a bricky from like birth. Like it's like a lifelong thing. So like, yes, they're seniors, they're young, they're 17, 18 years old, but you got to remember this is like over a decade of, of, of wanting to be in that position. So for them to break through, that was a uh, pretty crazy. And then also, they were in a similar position last year and lost in heartbreaking fashion. I mean, they lost by less than a touchdown last year after being up, I believe, double digits early in the semi-state game. And I remember uh, checking the score. I was at the Maryville Carmel game last year, and I was thinking, oh, wow, the, you know, Brickies are probably going to state. And they didn't. And I was talking to some of the players, like, you know, they were saying, hey, we got up, we got up, we got way too confident, and we let it slip away. So, 
you know, all these moments are not guaranteed, especially this year. I mean, with the pandemic, I mean, like you said, who who would have thought we'd even have a season? So for them to kind of rally back together, um, come back together, and break through to the state championship um, was pretty re- incredible. I think that says a lot about the resiliency they have. Only because, I mean, when you're when you're young, man, and you lose a big game like that, that's crushing. You know, it, it, it would be hard for me to kind of, like, let that go. But ultimately, they did, and it worked out for the best, I guess, to let them, you know, allow them to push through and get to Lucas Oil Stadium, which is an awesome experience. When I um, had media day on this past Monday and talked to, uh, you know, some of the players like uh, Riley, uh, Zach, it's, uh, um, Riley, Zach, and um, Bobby, they were all down there for uh, media day. And um, it was, uh, you know, and Tyler as well. And it, it was it was an awesome experience because they got to walk around the stadium. They got a tour of the stadium. They got to kind of see the field before they played on it. And, um, you know, those are lifelong memories that you won't necessarily attach to the scoreboard. I think the goal, you know, when you ask any of these kids, they, they tell you, well, I want to play at state. They'll tell you they want to win state as well, but they want to they say, first, I want to play. And just getting to that stage, man, and being treated like you're, you know, an NFL player is pretty sweet. And also, I guess selfishly, um, getting a chance to go down there myself and, and take a selfie on the field to show my mom, um, it, or it, it was pretty nice too. So there you go. <laughs> That's what, my dad said the same thing. He texted me. He's like, make sure you get a selfie on the field. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and what did you think about, I know it was your first time there, Aaron. Um, what did you think about just the, the, the setup and – you know, maybe take us behind the scenes, or not us, but our listeners, for how the setup was, how the food was, how the entry was, um, you know, in light of COVID-19. Yeah, the facility is obviously state-of-the-art. Like, it's not going to get better in the state of Indiana than Lucas Oil Stadium. My previous state experiences included in Illinois, the University of Illinois, and Northern Illinois University, which are... Two good facilities. I mean, they're, they're good D1 facilities, but they're not NFL stadiums, which have a standard of their own. It's the most powerful organization in the world, I would say. Um, and so it was really cool to, to walk up. And I've driven by Kitsonio on the freeway many times. I've stayed at the JW Marriott a couple blocks away. So I've seen the stadium, the exterior of the stadium, but I've never been inside. And, um, yeah, it's top-notch. I mean, it really was. Uh, the concourses were nice and clean. I walked around a little bit before uh, before the Hobart game, before going up to the press box. Uh, the press box was, was nice and spacious. They did a great job with, uh, you know, the social distancing and the COVID concerns. I thought the, the crowds, as spaced out as they were, did a great job as well. That was really, really well done by the three games we watched. That, I mean, all six. All six Teams, all all of the fans were socially distant, which was which was great, uh, great to see. Um, and then, yeah, being down on the field level was really cool to, to just get an appreciation for how big the stadium really was. Uh, it's definitely bigger than U of I, uh, which is bigger than Northern Illinois. <laughs> so, um, you know, it was cool to see how bright the lights were with the film clothes and the video boards and and get a feel for what the players were actually looking at. Um, it, it was great to also walk through the tunnels, and, and uh, you know, I saw the visitors' locker room where the Titans will be tomorrow uh, when they take on the Colts, and Marion Catholic product Dennis Kelly will be inside that 
that locker room. It was cool to walk through in the press box and see. Uh, I actually took a picture of it. They, there was a sign for the instant replay room, and it says, positively, nobody allowed inside, um, or no visitors allowed inside. And it says, like, by the order of Roger Goodell. And so I snapped a picture of it because I was like, you know, that's kind of cool. Like, you don't think about stuff like that when, even as, even as someone who's in the media has been in MLB stadium press boxes and other different pro and college sports press boxes, like, that's something that never crossed my mind is who's allowed in these different booths. Uh, so that was very cool to see. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, it was just super nice. I know I mentioned <laughs> it, it was late. Everybody had left after the 6A game. But even, like, the way the stairs are lit, walking up and down the, the from the mm-hmm. to the concourse, like, was really cool to see. I mean, the stadium is gorgeous. If, if you ever get down for a game at some point, whether it's high school or a Big Ten championship or a Final Four or, or whatever it may be, I highly recommend visiting Lucas Oil Stadium. Yeah, and, I mean, just to kind of piggyback off that, I've been there twice now. I guess I'm a veteran. Um, but, uh, no, I take that back. I've been there a couple more times because of media day. Um, and, and, and I had people ask, you know, when I went down on Monday for media, like, why did you drive all the way to Indy just to, you know, talk to these guys? You can talk to them over the phone or you can, you can talk to them, you know, uh, via Zoom or whatever. And it's like, you don't know how many, it's like the players, seriously, like, like the players kind of have to approach it. As a media member, I'm like, man, James, you don't know how many times you're going to have the chance to do this. So just go. Like, enjoy it. It's a long week. It's always a little crazy because you lose that extra day of work because of Thanksgiving, which I'm totally fine with. I want to spend time with my family around the holidays. Um, of course, around this time a uh, year and in this time we're in, I stayed at home with my immediate family. But nevertheless, um, it's definitely a long week. Um, one where I think me and Aaron both probably didn't sleep much, if at all. But, um... It was fun, and I think, and and this is me just talking, but when Aaron kind of shot me an email this week and said that, hey, you know, we have been talking about what we're going to do for State for a couple of weeks, thinking that we might get somebody down, and then when he sent the email to me and I saw the list of names, I was like, man, we got the whole crew. Like, this is like, you know, I kind of felt like I was, I don't know, I felt like I was a six-man on the dream team. Like, this is it. Like, so that was, that was fun. And I think it was really cool because we got to share that experience with our other colleagues. Um, you know, Kale Wilk, who's our phenomenal photographer, Paul Orn, who's probably the most positive guy I know, uh, who's just kind of go with the flow. He's willing to do anything, anywhere. Um, and our, our, our new um, freelancer, who's a veteran in, in the industry um, of journalism, um, Tom Keegan, writing a phenomenal story. And it just felt good to, you know, Basically, show that this is what the Times does. This is what we want to do. Um, I'm very proud of the work we've done um, throughout these crazy times. And I think that kind of capping off our football season, well, not quite capping off. we got all area coming up, so stay tuned. But um, capping off the, the actual playing of the games in that fashion and just basically bombarding Twitter and Facebook and, and, and our website with everything Hobart uh, football was, was great, man. I, I think... I think that's what people want, and um, like you said, with the circumstances now, um, who knows who was able to come or who wasn't able to come, and it certainly wasn't the same. I was going through some videos on my phone that I had saved from last year uh, where I walked around the field, 
and it's it was like night and day. Um, you know, you had fans screaming, big crowds. You know, uh, players going to sing like their school song after the game, and parents and all types of people down on the field. Like it was just different. Um, so this year, I think one thing I can say though is that that was probably as good as it could have gone, as normal as it could have been. Um, and like you said, with, with the Bricky faithful being as loud as they were, you kind of got that vibe of being just at a normal football game. Um, obviously, the mask, you got to wear them and things like that. But, I mean, that hardly crossed my mind. Um, we were down there getting our interviews. And, and also, for those of you who don't know, it kind of goes by fast, man. Like, I know we were both sitting up there like, dang, like the second quarter is over. And, you know, and he's, he's, you know, Aaron's pounding out videos and I'm, I'm trying to figure out what story angle I'm going to go with. And I'm tweeting out scores. And it was, uh, it was a lot of fun, a lot of work. But I think this is, uh, I guess, the trade-off when we're, uh, you know, sitting in the cold for a game. It was nice to, I guess, be pampered <laughs> at the state championship. It ended in that fashion. But, uh, I mean, like I said in my videos, I had my weekly car videos. Um, who knows? Like, I might keep on for basketball every Friday night just to check in with the region. But, um I enjoyed it, and I kind of felt sad that I had to do my last one last night just because, you know, you get in a rhythm, and, and you wait for this moment to come, and hopefully it does come. You get a chance to do something really fun at Lucas Oil, which we did, and, um, you know, we'll see what happens next year. We have a lot of great players graduating, so I know some, you know, programs this year will probably have to rebuild, but uh, I feel like every time I say something, it's, it's going to happen um, or something's not possible. You know, I just think of Raleigh Johnson who told me, that uh, they had a chance to go to state, you know, on September 28th, 2019, week six victory. He's telling me they're going to go to state after a week six game. So anything's possible. Um, we'll have to check in and see what happens next year. Yeah, definitely, definitely a fun weekend. I mean, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Really this entire season, like so much growth, so much learning, um, not just from us, but the coaches I talked to, some of the players that we talked to, like I think everyone learned a little something. Um, you know, and it was really cool that Westfield and Hobart played back to back and were on the same sideline, uh, especially with the Josh Miracle connection again. Because I know that Hobart, if you hadn't read my story yet, spoiler alert, Hobart uh, has taken some stuff from the Westfield program and integrated it into the, what they do. And and the defensive coordinator Sean Goad talking talk about that at length uh, just how much of an impact that made on the program over the past couple of years and um, you know it'll be interesting to see what they do to take that next step and, and win one whenever whenever they get that opportunity again be it next year or a few years down the line or, or whatever it may be they've opened up a whole new a whole new mindset for, for young young Bricky fans uh, the little bricks Pop Warner PV team, Dave Bunks just did a story on them. They they went through and won their Midwest Regional title, and uh, they were inspired by the Big Bricks, the high school team, <laughs> because they were winning semi-state on the same day, and they were winning you know regionals and sectionals as, as both teams were kind of winning and advancing together. Uh, just just really cool to see what the next chapter of Hobart football looks like. Uh, hopefully, you know, I hope everything with COVID nineteen. Maybe there's a vaccination coming soon, and uh, maybe next fall we can uh, get back to some normal feed, normal sized crowds, and, and we can be loud, have the bands, have cheerleaders, have have everybody uh, able to enjoy the experience moving forward. 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm going to grab my mask out of, like, muscle memory. But like you said, hopefully, you know, we uh, look back a year from now, we'll be able to say, dang, like, that was that was something. But um, in the spirit of Thanksgiving and the holidays, I did this with Mike. I'm going to put you on the spot, Aaron. What are some things you're thankful for in your life as we uh, kind of close out the year and get ready for what's next? I think each day is a blessing. I mean... I kind of learned at a young age from some medical stuff on my own, some medical stuff with my family. Like, tomorrow isn't promised. And especially now when you've got a, a disease that could be potentially deadly uh, or life-altering, um, you know, you got to take each day for or you, you can't take each day for granted. You've got to take it for what it is. And it's an opportunity to be the best version of yourself, to impact others in a positive way. And... Um, yeah, so I'm just thankful for, for that. To, to each day I wake up, have an opportunity to maybe impact someone's life that I don't know or maybe someone I do know just by caring them with kindness, uh, loving them in different ways, trying to be positive and upbeat. Um, I'm thankful for the opportunity to work from home. Uh, so I, I could go home to Michigan for a week. And, yeah, I'm working from home in Michigan, but I'm also when I'm off the clock spending time with my brother who has severe special needs, my sister who flew in from college uh, for, for the holiday week and uh, just get to see my parents and, and my other brother who's been working and worked like crazy last week. Um, it is just really cool to, to have that opportunity to be with family, but also take care of my responsibilities and then, you know, just each day have an opportunity to be a better version of myself and, and, impact the lives of the people I work with and the people I need each day in hopefully a positive way. All right. See, folks, this is why Aaron is the man. Um, I'll say <laughs> that, I'll keep it short because I said on the last podcast, talked to my mom, my grandma, my dad, and you all know that I, I feel like I, I wear my heart on my sleeve. I try to just because that's who I am. But I will say seriously, I am thankful for my staff, my editor, Aaron, who uh, answers my phone calls all the time when I have story ideas or I have an update or I have something. Um, there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes that he doesn't always have a name attached to. Um, and he has my back no matter what when it comes to this job and how crazy it can get sometimes. And um, even, you know, telling me, hey, take your foot off the gas a little bit. We've got a story for today. Relax, you know, and spend time with your family because it can get crazy sometimes. So appreciative of a boss that understands the value of family um appreciative of having a second family at the times and um i guess i'm more appreciative even so for a third family in the region who reads my work supports our work as a newspaper um you know stay locked in with us and like i said be on the lookout for all area football i'll be sending out my surveys to all the coaches calling coaches um getting stats and uh looking through game stories we had and looking at rankings and all types of stuff to do this the best um, way I can. I'm sure there's going to be some folks who tell me I am a terrible um, reporter and I got it totally wrong because, you know, some player is a second team player and they're supposed to be like a first team player and all this type of stuff. But regardless, I enjoy the enthusiasm that is around prep football in the region. Um, there is true love for it here. I had to learn that um, pretty quickly. You know, I'm up here in Illinois. Uh, I don't think football gets the same amount of love as it does on my side of the the state lines as, as it does in the region. But, um, you know, it, it's been a phenomenal year, and we're going to make sure that we continue to bring you the best content we, ha- we can because, 
That's our job. That's what we love to do. So just stay tuned and stay safe.